Good evening. The first thing I'm going to do is take off this jacket. Because last time I was up here, I about burned up. There we go. So I wanted to give a brief report on our, um, on our teams, our uh, care teams. And um, this is, we're coming up almost on a year of our restructuring of our care teams. We have three teams, um, one, two, and three. They meet the first, second, and third uh, Sunday evenings uh, before or after worship, depending on what time of year it is, etc. And I wanted to give you a report of what we've done in an 11-month period. So in 11 months, we've sent out 1,307 cards. That's an average of 118 cards per month. I'd say between three teams, that's pretty good, right? We've made 370 phone calls, which is an average of 33 a month. And we've made 111 visits, which is 10 per month. So I would say if we were going to work on anything, phone calls and visits would be areas we could all do a better job in. And, uh, but I just wanted to give you that report and let you know how we're doing because those are really encouraging numbers to me, and I hope they are to you as well. The lesson tonight is entitled, Stand Up or Shut Up? And so let me, let me preface it by saying this first of all. I am preaching to Brian. And if it applies to you, that's okay. And I think once we get into the lesson, you will see that much of what I'm saying applies to all of us. One of the things that they taught us when we started the school of preaching was that we needed to stand up, speak up, shut up, and sit down. And so two of those we're going to talk about this morning. Now, when they were talking about that, they were talking that you need to stand up, that you need to speak up, you need to speak loudly so that people understand you. You need to speak clearly so that people get the message. But when you get to the end of the message, you need to shut up. You need to be silent and you need to sit down because then the message is theirs. And so I want to talk about times that the Christians should speak up in times that we as Christians, unfortunately, need to shut up. And as I said, I mean this in all lovingness, and I'm definitely stepping on my own toes this evening. Our speech should be seasoned with salt, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Now, it's interesting if you look at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, if you'll turn over there for just a second. <clears throat> Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let your speech be always with grace. Now we, as Christians, are not giving people unmerited favor like God gives unmerited favor. When we think about grace, that's oftentimes what we're thinking about. But we need to speak gracefully. We need to speak lovingly. And our speech needs to be savory as in salt so that people will listen and so that people will apply that speech to their lives. It's much encouragement to individuals who are lost or even those of us who are striving to live our life as a Christian to have speech that is savory, that is good to listen to 
and full of grace. There is a time that we as Christians need to speak up. Some of those times that we as Christians need to speak up is when someone is being afflicted or someone is being persecuted that they can't take up for themselves or even if they can, if we feel like they're doing the pile on to this individual and we as Christians sometimes can be that voice to speak up and say, whoa, wait a minute, this is what God's word says and that person is right and we're here to back that individual up. We as Christians can also be the voice of people who cannot have a voice of their own. An interesting statistic to me, and a very depressing and sad statistic, is that since abortion became illegal in the United States, some 40 million, that's hard to say, 40 million unborn children have been killed by abortion. 40 million. That's when the Christians should speak up and not depend on the politicians in Washington to make all those decisions, but yet to lead them back to God's word to show them that those type of things are wrong and we as Christians can be their voice. Those are the times that the Christians should speak up. When people are being oppressed and silenced because of their religious views, that's the time the Christian needs to speak up. When the church is being persecuted in the world in which we live and we are trying to speak the truth in love, we as Christians need to speak up. When proclaiming the truth, it needs to be loud and it needs to be clear. And we need to speak up. But let's not forget one important thing that we need to do. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. There was a gentleman uh, at the congregation in which I uh, preached in Lexington, Virginia, who was a very good Bible scholar. He was a very good Bible scholar, but he had a horrible delivery. And I'll tell you what I mean. This individual, a brother in Christ, would meet people at the door. And if he knew they were from a denominational group or a different religious group than other than the church, he would meet them at the door and give them all kinds of tracts as they walked in the door. It may have been the first time he's ever met them before. He would... Proceed to tell these individuals what things are wrong with their religion. Do you think that was very effective? Let me just give you a little bit of commentary. We as Christians need to speak the truth in love. We do not need to beat people over the head with the Bible. We need to do it lovingly. We need to do it gracefully. And we need to do it with salt savoring those words. An interesting thing about that man, he had, four, he had three sons. This is three, not four. He had three sons. And of all three of those children, none of them are faithful in the Lord's church today. Many of those individuals never darkened the doors of the congregation ever again after... They were beat over the head with the Bible 
and told how wrong they were when they entered the doors. That's not the way a Christian's to be. We're supposed to speak up, but we're supposed to do it in love and with grace. And it's very important that we use the right tone and the right attitude. It's most important that we show people how much we love them first before we let them know how much Bible we know. We've all been guilty of that at some point in time. We've said many times from this pulpit that a sermon is better seen than taught any day. And we as Christians can be teaching sermons every day by the life that we live, by the things that we participate in, and by the things that we choose not to participate in. Although maybe all the crowd is participating in those things. When our hearts as Christians are motivated by the love of the Savior, we need to shout very loudly what that message is. We need to shout very loudly that the love of God is among us, for God is love. And we can see the love of God through Christians, and we can see the love of God by the sacrifice that the Son made on our behalf. By God sending his only beloved to die on a cruel cross. How does the Christian shout? How does the Christian speak up? This may be surprising to you, but I don't think it's necessarily that we are shouting and having arguments on social media. That's probably not necessarily the thing that we need to be doing because what it ends up being then is a big argument, me against you, etc., etc., and it gets to be a very big mess in a big hurry, and attacks go very rampant on social media because people don't think that they have any responsibility. They can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, with no consequences. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily by um, witty bumper stickers or coffee mugs or t-shirts, although some of them might be right. They can also be very offensive and hamper the ability of the Christian to share the truth in love. All of those things are important. Sometimes it's not what you say, but how you said it. Sometimes it's not what you said, but the tone in which you said it or the attitude in which you are portraying a message from God. You've probably heard me say before, text message is a wonderful thing, but text message is also a very horrible thing because you don't get the inflection of voice, you don't get the attitude, you don't get what the background meaning of that particular thing is that you're texting to someone, and it's very easy Not to mention autocorrect. That's a whole other story, right? Sometimes you don't get the message on the receiving end that was being sent. Things get misconstrued, don't they? And we don't mean for them to. It may sound critical to someone who's trying to do the very best they can sometimes when we speak up when we really shouldn't be speaking up. What if the church today learned the lesson, maybe a secret of the early church, that the truth, that genuine fellowship, and that prayer 
speak more loudly to the lost and dying world than cleverly designed sermons or catchy songs that we might sing. But we have to show that by the life in which we're living as a Christian. We have to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. I believe wholeheartedly that if our actions spoke up and our voices spoke less, we would be beautiful ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing the world what a true Christian really looks like. So yes, it's necessary for Christians to speak up. But actions speak louder than words. Sometimes Christians need to be silent so that Jesus' voice can be heard by our actions instead of muffled by our message. We're all guilty of that, aren't we? Point number two, when in doubt, shut up. Now let me preface this by saying it's very hard for me to sit here and say, shut up. Uh, It's not something that we regularly say to one another, is it? It's not very kosher for me to tell someone to shut up. We teach our children that that's not appropriate in our household, that you're not supposed to tell each other to shut up. So let me preface by saying I'm talking about thinking before you speak and sometimes silence is the best action. Sometimes saying nothing is the best action when we're dealing with our brothers and sisters in Christ and when we're dealing with the lost and dying sinful world in which we live. You've heard the saying before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And you've heard me say before that that is such a lie. That's something we teach our children to make them feel good, right? That it doesn't matter what somebody's saying to you that that's not going to hurt you. It's true, it's not going to break your bones, but it's going to hurt. Words hurt, don't they? When we as Christians love one another and we care for one another, the words of our brothers and sisters in Christ hurt more than anyone else's words in the entire world. If we have the relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we should. When we say something in a negative way and we don't show our love for them and grace in the words in which we speak, they could very easily be offended and us not even mean for them to be. So it's important when we speak to one another that we let one another know where our speech is coming from, why we're saying the things that we're saying, and to make sure that we always do it in love and we always think before we speak. It's very important for the Christian to do that. We come together to edify one another, to build one another up. And we sure don't want to come to worship on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Bible class on Sunday morning or Wednesday night and be torn down when we leave this building. Therefore, sometimes it's necessary for us to, unfortunately, shut up. It's important for us to use our words wisely and respectfully and lovingly toward one another. Sometimes it's not the most important thing that you win an argument or that you have the last word. Remember I said I'm speaking to myself. 
sometimes the last word is not the best word to have. It's best to keep our mouths shut sometimes. When we as Christians see an injustice taking place, when we see someone going against God's word, it's so easy for us to just jump on the bandwagon and tell everyone what that individual is doing wrong. (coughs) We often look for a cause and it comforts us as Christians to reason through it, to call it to light and to be an agent of change. I admit, I've been that voice, absent of compassion and heavy with judgment all too often. And I believe that if you look at yourself, you could probably say the same thing. Sometimes Christians need to be silent. Because what we're saying is so loud that no one can see or hear Jesus over what we're saying. Sometimes we need to shut up. That's when it's time for all of us as Christians to think before we speak. In John chapter 8 and verse 7, a very familiar verse to all of us, John chapter 8 and verse 7, we see set the scene here for what's taking place. In John chapter 8 and verse 7, Christ is there. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up and said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. What was the scene here? Well, they brought this adulterous woman to Christ. And they wanted him to put judgment on that individual, that lady at that particular time. And he bent down and he wrote something in the sand. And we could have all kinds of debates on what he wrote. I'd like to think that he wrote something that would prick those individuals' hearts to understand that they too are sinners and that they have no right to judge this woman as they were. I would like to think if I was one of the individuals standing there that Christ was riding in the sand, riding in the dirt, and he was riding the sins that I had committed to remind me that I am no better than any other individual who sins against God. Yet this moment in scripture when Jesus stood between a woman that was absolutely dripping and drenched with sin in her life and her righteous, no not righteous, her self-righteous accusers were there wanting to stone her. And the only one in that whole group that had the ability to stone her was Christ. And what did he choose to do? He said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. No one cast a stone, did they? Christ had the ability to do it, but he said, go and sin no more. It doesn't seem from scripture that he gave her a very big, long speech about what she needed to do in her life. But yet his message was very precise and complete. Go and sin no more. Those individuals kind of shut up, didn't they? They decided that maybe they should not be both judge and executioner. What a wonderful example. That is the Jesus that we serve. 
That is the Jesus that made the sacrifice on a cruel cross for you and I. That is the love that God has for us as individuals, as members of the church, to love us enough to say, He who is without sin cast the first stone. Go and sin no more. We must strive to live our life complete. We must strive to live our life as perfect as we can according to the will of our Father in heaven. This is the Jesus we're called to emulate. The Jesus who said, Ye who are that without sin cast the first stone. This is the example we're called to follow. This is the love that we are called to live out in our lives as Christians. What a wonderful example Christ is for us every day if we look at God's word and apply it to our lives. We as Christians must not be the ones standing there with a stone in our hand ready to execute. We must show our love and grace to one another and to the lost and dying world that we're trying to lead to the truth so that God can add them to the church and save them from their sins. Love is a verb, isn't it? It's something that we do. It's something that the Christian should do, and it's something that God does for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to turn over there, I'm not going to read it, but it'll show you the context in which we're speaking. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. In the opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul goes so far as to remind us that no matter what languages we speak, No matter what good we do as a Christian, what magnitude we give with, if we do it apart from love, it is absolutely no value to us or no value to the hearer. No value at all if we don't do it in love. God himself is love, and the world will know we are his by our love for one another and by our love that we portray to them, by our actions speaking louder than words. It is love that called the Father to create us and to give us free will. It is the love of the Father that even knowing how often we would choose another beloved other than Christ still forgives us. And loves us no matter what we do. And it is the love that will beckon the lost and dying world to come to the truth of the gospel. If we do it in love. If we do it with grace. And we do it with salt. We as Christians have an obligation to God and an obligation to one another to show our love each and every day. To speak up when necessary. But also, when in doubt, to shut up. We should show our love by the things that we do, by the things that we choose not to do, and by showing our love and care for each other and for the lost and dying world in which we live in. 
There's so many lost souls out there that we need to touch, that we need to help, that we need to lead to the gospel plan of salvation. Love is a verb, and it's one that we as Christians should participate in. So when we as Christians need to be silent, we need to be silent. Notice, if you will, the last passage of Scripture I want us to look at is James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Very familiar passage just, James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My brethren, be not masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we may turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which though they are great and driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about by a very small helm, whithersoever the govern listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, and it defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in this sea is tamed and hath been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. What a warning that we have by God about how that the tongue can defile us. And when we think the tongue is about to defile us, that is the time we as Christians need to be silent. That is the time we as Christians need to shut up. It's so easy for us to make our voice known when sometimes the best thing to do is to say nothing at all. And to be patient as God is patient. I know God's patient. Look how the world is today and how it's been through history. And why are we still here? Because my God is patient. Much more patient than us. You know, we probably approach patience like this. If you're, if you're like me, 
God, give me patience and give it to me right now. No, my God is patient. Your God is patient. Sometimes the best thing to do in teaching an individual who has fallen away or who has never known the truth at all is to be patient because we are to plant the seed but we are not the ones to give the increase. That's the job of our Father in heaven. We plant the seed. God, He gives the increase. So let's think about this as we go through our lives as Christians. When is the appropriate time for the Christian to speak up? And when is the appropriate time for the Christian to shut up? I hope that you take that in the way that I mean it, and that is of lovingly. And as I said in speaking to myself, that's the easiest sermons to preach, isn't it, Bill, when you're preaching to yourself? We need to think before we speak. We need to think before we act. Oh, and by the way, just so you know, that works really well in marriage too. When you think before you speak. The message is yours. There may be some here this evening who have never responded to the Lord's invitation. He is a loving God. The only God. The creator of all things and mankind. He is one that tells us we must hear his word. Believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose, have that change of mind. We must confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. We as Christians, if we fall away, if we've committed a sin publicly, then that sin needs to be confessed publicly and prayed for by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Or perhaps you just need encouragement by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whatever your need may be for the invitation now, we ask that you come forward now as together we stand and as we sing.